Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. If being able to receive the great love that he has for you is something that you find difficult or if it becomes uncomfortable, you know, if people are talking about, you know, love and passion and you get uncomfortable, you know, that's just a really great sign that he wants to come and heal some places in you. Because we were made for love. It's the whole reason why we were made. We were made just simply to be loved on. And, you know, if you really think about that we were fashioned strictly to be loved, that the, he, he thought of everything about you, and he said, oh, now that's right, that's lovely right there. I can love that. That is perfect. And, you know, we can almost look to other things to make us feel valued or, you know, maybe we are looking for a promotion or, you know, just a job maybe or a house or a mate, you know, just looking for something. But once you discover that I was made just for love, just for him, just for love, then it really causes all the other things to just kind of fall. You know, it's just like it doesn't really matter anymore. It doesn't matter if you lose those things because you know how well you're loved by him. And I love um, just this focus we've been on as a community and, um, you know, what God is doing in each of us. I think it's just so phenomenal. And I love that it is so different for each person, you know, depending on where they have been, where they're going. Um, you know, it's just all very tailored. And so I love that um, your journey is not my journey and my journey is not your journey. And we can't ever look over at another person's journey and compare what we're doing. That right there will breed all kinds of everything evil that you can imagine. You know, you'll become discontent and jealous and or prideful, you know, either way. And, you know, he really wants for us to do our own personal walks well. That really is the goal. Just can you do your own personal walk well? And um, I love I love the word. I love that we get to learn how to have a good walk by reading lots of people that didn't have good walks. <laughs> and we can learn from them. I mean, you know, of course, we've got our own stuff, too. But it's nice that... We can see um, lives that, you know, just did some stupidity. I mean, they just paved the way for stupidity. And and then you see God use them so amazing that it's like, oh, there's there's hope. See, it's good. I'm good. We're all good here. It's good. We're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. And I'm going to be talking about the life of um, one of the um, ones that did some stupidity, but then... God got a hold of them, and, you know, the rest is history. But I'm going to talk about Jacob today. Um, the message, the title of my message is, Do You Walk With a Limp? I was sitting there, and um, I was just praying and asking him what he wanted me to talk about, and that was the question he asked was, Do You Walk With a Limp? Of course, that makes me go to Jacob. Um, I think we probably all know the story, but uh, I'm going to talk about it as I go. But, um, you know, the premise basically is, you know, e each of us has our own level of dependency and need on him. Yeah. 
his desire for us all is that we all have the same kind of absolute dependency on him. But depending on where we are, where, you know, what our starting line is, what our starting point is, will show just how far we go. We have to go until we learn how to really be in that complete leaning position. And I think whenever, um, whenever we talked about the shift on that Wednesday, and um, then we've been just, you know, looking at different things that in our lives that we just have to shift, you know, that God is really marking and he's saying, okay, now this is time that you've got to move out of, you know, whatever, maybe you're moving into things, moving out of things, whatever. It's all different for each of us. But I feel this just intense hunger and longing for him. And, and it's really only... It's only because I can feel his hunger for me. I, I can feel the great intensity and the fire that he has that he, you know, it's just the places that I once that I that I once got to, they're they're no longer satisfying. Like there's just a new longing. And I know it's only because he first put it in me. And I think everybody, if you've been here. And if you've had an open heart, I think you can probably feel that stirring up that God is is really stirring up. He's he's giving you just glimpses of his actual hunger and desire for you. And then we have this response. We have this natural response to his hunger and desire for us. And, you know, I think it's just good to know where we are and where we're going. You know, that's just great, isn't it? I like I like to know where I'm at so that I can I can get some directions on where I want to go and how I want to get there. And I think if we were to um just keep chopping things down, I think he's really just looking for a bride that will really need him. And you know, do you sense him highlighting areas for you that you actually don't have that great of a need for him like I mean like you want to have a great need, but if he doesn't show up that, you know, you're probably going to be okay. Like maybe your bills, you know, like everything's great. You're living in a really nice, comfortable place. Like, you know, you're not worried about not being able to make a bill. So then you're not really crying out for him to like maybe be your provider because you've kind of already got that covered. You know, these are just different things that, you know, maybe it's in sickness, you know, maybe it's like, well, I've got this medicine, and so then if I don't get healed, then it's okay because I have this medicine. You know, there's all these different things that um, if if we don't have him there, are we just going to be okay? Or uh, it's, it's going to be all right. And and I feel him just really wanting to stir at places that our own um, our own ways just get in the way of him wanting to be God in us and to us. So in um. In the tale of the two brothers, Esau and Jacob, you know, this is a, this is a tale. Did anybody have a dysfunctional family? Well, see, here's hope right here that it's all good because what is the deal? Like there are some crazy dysfunctional families in the word. It's just like, what the heck? It makes, I'm like, okay, well, you know, my family's not so bad. <laughs> not supposed to be comparing though, right? You know, <clears throat> it's fun because you look at who God uses and it makes no sense to mankind. It's just like, man, like, could you have, you could have used anybody else, but you chose 
them. It's awesome, obviously. That gives me hope, too. But he he really does use people, and it really doesn't have anything to do with us. You know, it's just he marks you. Whenever he marks you, then you just have to answer the call. So in, in, the, in the tale of the two brothers, Esau and Jacob, you know, of course, um, Jacob was known as a trickster, and, you know, he... Um, deceitful. And um, whenever Rebecca was pregnant with him, she said that there was great, she could tell that she was pregnant with twins and there was this great warring in her, there's something flying. Uh, that was annoying. Um, there was something, there was a, a stirring in her womb of these two twins fighting. And she was basically inquiring of the Lord, what is going on? What, why am I carrying this? And he told her that basically he, that she was carrying uh, two people. There's flies driving me crazy. Um, that's just demonic. That evil. Uh, that was a joke. Um, but basically they were going to be rivals and they weren't going to be chummed up and be real buddy, buddy, that they were going to be rivals. And, um, the older brother would be, um, would serve the younger brother. Well, of course it really is awe-inspiring to me that God had already marked Jacob even before he was ever in the womb. In the womb, God had already marked him with the promise that he had a destiny to fulfill. And I don't know what would have happened if he wouldn't have done the things that he did. You know, I personally believe that he could have had a much easier road. But in whenever they, whenever they came out of the womb, Jacob was holding Esau's heel because he was, he was fighting for that, that firstborn birthright. And I was thinking, wow, God, like, even that that's another reason why abortion is just so horrible that in the womb this baby knew something in the spirit realm he knew that he had a destiny to fulfill and he was trying to get it he was trying to get it in a deceitful way that really is crazy that in the womb that children know they already have a sense of great purpose and so you know you've got Um, you've got you've got this this family that God has marked that God really has a lineage that he is going to mark these people but there's this man that he's called that he has marked him with great purpose but he is so full of himself and he doesn't know how to trust God all he knows how to do is try and trick to get something from somebody that belongs to them but what's equally interesting is that Esau, Esau actually had the, he had the birthright. You know, there was kind of almost a um, Jewish custom, the firstborn automatically received certain blessings. It's just the way the culture was. And so I think consequently, he didn't really have any high regard for what God had actually birthed him into. And so, of course, you've got Jacob, he's just you know, chomping on the bit, ready to find a way that he can take his brother's rights from him. And so fast forward, um, I'm just trying to give some backstory on where I'm going. But um, so uh, 
Esau was not really feeling it. He wasn't really, you know, preparing himself for the role he was going to be in. He um, was hungry, and he ended up giving away his birthright to Jacob for some food, for some lentil soup. Who wants lentil soup anyway? And bread. Come on. But he had he had absolutely no regard for what God had given him that he— traded his traded his birthright and then he just got up and never gave it a second thought. And in Hebrews it talks about um let me just read this real quick to you. It says um Hebrews 12 There it is. Hebrew 12, 16 and 17. As to be careful that no one among you lives in immorality, becoming careless about God's blessings, like Esau, who traded away his rights as the firstborn for a simple meal. And we know that later on, when he wanted to inherit his father's blessing, he was turned away, even though he begged for it with bitter tears, for it was too late then to repent. That really that stuck out to me that it says, be careful that no one among you lives in immorality because they become careless in what God, God's blessings over their life. So what does that tell you? Does that, does that say anything about your life? It does. It says something about my life. It says something to me that, you know, I can't ever take for granted what God has given me. And I have to always be mindful of that he's the one that brought it to me. And so I want to I want to care for my life well. I want to set myself up well. I want to really be a good steward of the things that he's given me. And so it's just a really good um a marker to make sure that you're you yourself that you're not like Esau and that you really um receive the things that God gives to you and that you um manage them well and you set yourself up well for the inheritance that God wants to give you. Um you know I think that almost sometimes we can become accustomed to this great beauty that we have called grace that we swim in this great abundance of grace that we can sometimes take it for granted. And I feel this, I feel this hunger from Daddy God that we would begin to take up a new level of responsibility for the things that He's given us. That we become, you know, that He has marked each of us for something purposeful, something very important. And that we become so um, hungry that we fulfill it and we don't, and we don't take it for granted and consider it some common thing. And there's this shift happening that it, it really is going to determine, are we each of us willing to get in line with what he has spoken over us, the design he has for us, what he wants to give us, or will we find ourselves being swept away by all the cares and concerns of life? And, you know, I don't know about you, but... I I really am I really 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 I want to know my my deepest things that are unknown to myself. Yeah. 
Like I, I want to have my life just as an open book, God, that you could come and you can show me anything about me that isn't going to be useful in where you're taking me. And so God is really, he will do a great searching of your heart if you let him. If you, if you will respond to his, if you respond to his call to be willing to just open yourself up and let him come and speak to you. And so, um, I think that on, you know, I was talking to Teresa about just what I was going to talk about. And there's something about when we recognize our great need, whenever we recognize that without him that we really can't do anything, whenever we really stand in a place of great hunger, that God is able to do something that is beyond anything that we could ever even think or imagine. But depending on our own ability to get out of our own way and really let God be God determines what direction we go in. And so, you know, how how many of us would say, you know, that, well, God, I want you to have everything. I want you to be my all in all. But then the moment that you're confronted with things that you actually get afraid of, you kind of step into how you can do it yourself. You know, how many of us will stay in the tension of us really needing him to be the one that comes through? This is what he's asking us. He's asking us, will you stay in the tension of you not knowing how to do something or you needing to wait on me so that you can see me come through for you? Will you stay in the tension long enough? See, Jacob Jacob didn't stay in the tension long enough. Jacob was like, I'm a, I got this. I got this. I'm not the firstborn, but I can get what the firstborn got and I, I can get it. I'll trick him. You know, that's something, that's just a good, it's a good check for us. You know, do we want to come around and get things the sideways or do we really want to trust God for everything that we get? And are we really willing to lean in whenever it feels uncomfortable? Are you willing to completely keep surrendering even when you feel very afraid? I find that fear really does show the things that are deepest in our hearts that he, he needs to heal in us. And so if you have, if you have different circumstances, man, I love what the riches have gone through. I mean, it is absolutely phenomenal. You know, I know whenever I, the next day after it happened, they came over that night and we were just trying to make some plans on how to handle it and everything. And, I was walking through the house the next day and there's just this slushing, you know, just water, just, just sopping everything. And I knew, I knew that God was going to do something so beautiful. I didn't know, I didn't know the degree and I didn't, I didn't completely understand just how much it was going to touch until of course we're walking it out and it's just so beautiful but I think they could both say, you know, if things got stirred up in them, that God was like, well, that's just something I need to heal in you. It's the experiences experiences in life that we're really confronted with us. We're really confronted with just who we are. And if you try and hide who you are, if you try and put a mask on who you are, then God never gets the freedom to come and know you. To come and know you. He he knows you. He knows he knows what you're thinking. He knows he man, it's it, just think of that. 
He already knows the thoughts you're going to have way before you ever had them. And he still says, I love you. He still, he still gives you his yes over and over and over again. And so if you're going through situations where God shows you something that comes up in you, and if you're like, y'all know, I'm just going to put a mask on that, or I don't want to talk, I don't want to deal with that right now, then you miss the prime opportunity for him to show you, hey, you're just not leaning there. Hey, let me, let me come and heal your heart. Let me come with my salve and cover your eyes so that you can see more clearly. And I think, you know, it was really cute. This isn't cute. I feel sorry for him, but I can also see God's bigger, bigger thing he's got going on. But, you know, I see little Rolly. And, you know, Rolly, it's kind of like on every angle, Rolly's getting a test. You know, it's just like coming from every angle. And his little heart, I, he's just such a sweet little tender boy. But God is, he's, he's having some pressure on the things that little Rolly has that he's afraid of. Why? Because he wants to be his everything. He wants, he wants to teach him now how to keep surrendering to Daddy God so that he can really live fear-free. Whenever he, whenever he was born, uh, well, it was before he was born, God had given me a word about him and that he was going to be he was going to be a Caleb. And he would know fear. He would be a boy that knew fear. But fear was only a stepping stone that brought him into great strength. And so then that, what does that mean? That means he's going to have to learn to confront fear. And so this, this, this experience is teaching him to confront fear in his life. What are you experiencing right now that is actually just highlighting things that you need to learn how to lean more, that you need to learn how to keep surrendering more to him? They're gifts. Remember, Remember, remember that they're gifts. Do you remember that? Do you remember that whenever you're sitting there and your family's acting a fool and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, this right now is a gift to me. This right now is a gift to me. This is a gift. You know, I've got two of my girls that they are out running with scissors and they're poking other people with their scissors and all the good things. But what has that done in me? It's done something in me that... I can't, I can't purchase that. I can't purchase it. I can't purchase the, the root system that I have grown because I've had to stand for two girls that have actually opposed me. That's, that's done something in me. Are you grateful for your challenges? Can you look at your challenges and say, Man, I am better because of those. Or do you run from challenges? Do you do you try to just get from one comfortable zone to the next? Just, oh, can I just find somewhere to sit and do nothing and just chill? That's really a danger zone because that means that you're actually turning off God's ability to father you. And... And I, man, there's just this great sense of purpose that even in where we are in this nation, just everything that we've gone through, COVID was a great, it showed everybody where their fears were. I mean, it was just on, it was just as big as day. And, you know, it's coming around again, right? And so where does your faith lie? 
God is raising up a people who their faith will not rest in any system other than the kingdom system. And so if you find a lot of your comfort in the things of the world, it's going to get eaten up. And I would really highly recommend that you get it worked out now. God, he, he will have a pure bride. He will. He'll have it. And I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to be part of it. I will be part of it. I am part of it. I am part of it. I'm, I'm not going to be found stiff arming him. I'm not going to be found not responding to him. And whenever the Holy Spirit is in a room, whenever the Holy Spirit speaks the way he speaks, and if we don't respond to him, that's really, really dangerous to our souls. It's dangerous to our spirits. I really want to encourage you, do not resist whenever he speaks to you. Do not resist your challenges. Do not resist even your blessings. Your blessings, that's another whole realm of, of that you've got to steward. And that's almost more challenging. It's almost more challenging whenever you are flowing in abundance that you keep him as the main thing. So we really have to be able to find him wherever we are and learn how God is applying pressure to places so that we can be found spotless. He wants a, a spotless bride. Do you want to be the spotless bride? I do. I want to be. I am. I will be. <laughs> um, I want to go back to Jacob a little bit. So, you know, I, I last finished at, he was... Um, he, I was going to say stupid enough, but that's probably not very good language. Uh, he was not wise enough. I'll just go with that. That he actually tricked his brother into giving away his birthright. And, uh, you know, he didn't stop there at his stupidity, though. He went on. He went on to be even more stupid. So, you know, something that was really interesting about Rebecca is that Rebecca's the mom. Rebecca, when she got the word about that, um, uh, the older brother would serve the younger brother that she was over um she was eavesdropping on a conversation between Isaac and um uh I just went blank what's his name yeah thank you Esau um he was uh, she was eavesdropping on a conversation between Isaac and Esau and Isaac was basically at his deathbed and he was saying hey go out and catch some Food. I don't know why they did, that was a big thing, but obviously it was. He loved meat. So he said, go get some meat and come back and cook me a meal, and I'm going to give you a blessing. Well, Rebecca, she's eavesdropping, and so then what does she do? She wants to make sure that the Word of God comes through for her life, and so then she's like, hey, Jacob, listen, this is the deal. Tell him what's going to happen. He said, okay. Or she said, now you've got to go and get some food, and I'll cook him a meal, and you're going to say that you're Esau. So he, long story short, you know, he's not hairy. Esau's hairy. Can you believe this? Hold on a second. Let's, I just need y'all to picture this, okay? This is a man that is so hairy. He's so hairy that they went and got goat hair and put on his skin so that he could, so that 
um, Isaac would think that he's Esau. Think of that. Think about putting goat hair all on yourself. It, that's what you feel like to people. Oh, bless Jesus. I'm just so grateful. I don't have goat hair on me. But anyway, see, that's real. See, I'm telling you, it's crazy. But um, anyway, so he he actually goes, and you can tell there's a moment whenever Jacob's like, what am I doing? Because he asks, Isaac is like, are, are you sure you're Esau? He's like, yeah, I'm sure I'm Esau, but he doubts. He's like, oh, he knows he's getting ready to cross a line that he can't over. It's going to be game over once he does it. So he does, of course, and he is deceitful. And Isaac ends up blessing him, as we all know. And um, he, I mean, got extremely blessed by it. But consequently, he needed to go off and because he was going to be killed by Esau. And so he needed to go away from his family so that Esau didn't kill him. You know, and what's sad is that Rebecca loved Jacob. Rebecca, that Jacob was her favorite. And consequently, because of her inability to trust God and trust God with the timing, trust God with the promise, that was the last time that she ever saw Jacob. That she she actually set some wheels in motion that already, Jacob already had a weak thing in him, that he was deceitful. And so she, instead of being a mother that would have taught him how to manage his heart well, she actually wanted to make sure that the thing that she had birth that she had implanted in her, that she wanted to make sure that he was successful at it. And so consequently, that was the last of her relationship with him. We can't take, we cannot take things that God gives us and then go outside of our timing to get it, to make it happen. And so if there's anything that you're even holding on to that you have a promise, I would just say, don't take matters into your own hands. Really trust him that it will come at the rate that it needs to come. Because that was a pretty big lesson that, that mom got to learn. And <clears throat> So, you know, fast forward, Jacob um, ended up, you know, having a whole life where he was tricked all the time. You know, he he actually sowed some trickery, but then he goes and, you know, he ends up, I don't want to get into all the details, but um, he goes to stay at um, Rebecca's uncle's house and, you know, he tricks him into, you know, spending years working for the wrong wife and all kinds of stuff. But Jacob spent a whole life of sowing. He, he reaped the results of the things that he sowed. And God had to take him through a season of learning how to have a life that could sustain the birthright blessing that he got. And so I was just thinking about if we have words that God gives us, if we have promises that God gives us, have you ever noticed that before you start seeing them come come through, it's almost like you have a whole uh, torrent of things that are against whatever it is that you heard was a promise. And you have to learn how to really stand for what you for what you heard. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's kind of like all hell can break loose sometimes if you get a prophetic word because it's like, oh my gosh, like it opens up a whole new level of um, overcoming that you've got to really step into. So 
I'm just saying we want promises, but you just got to be willing that God will start begin to start putting some things in motion that will be that will teach you how to be able to handle the things that you're asking for. And which I really I feel like is really what we're asking God for in this season is that we want to be able to carry the load of what he gives us. We really want to be good stewards. And so he's going to be showing us things that we need to clear out and clean out so that we can withstand the weight and we want him to, right? Yes. We want him to. Um, if you'll go to, well, you don't have to. I can read it too. But in Genesis 32, I want to read. I want to read the details of um, sweet Jacob's encounter. It starts at um, 22. It says, during the night, Jacob arose woke up his two wives, his two maid, maid servants, and 11 sons, and had them cross the ford of the Jabbok River. He sent them across along with everything he had, and Jacob was left all alone. I love the um, uh, footnotes that Brian says. It says, to be left alone with God is the only true way of coming to self-discovery. This was the turning point for Jacob. His schemes have all failed, and now he faces God alone. Has anybody just faced God alone? And it's just like, man, it's, I'm just met with just he and I. And he sees it and I see it. And it's I am so acquainted with my need of him. It's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, it says, suddenly out of nowhere, a man appeared and wrestled with him until daybreak. It says the Hebrew word for wrestle is related to a word for dust, to get dusty. As two, as two people do when wrestling on the ground, there is an amazing play on words in the Hebrew between he wrestled, Yahabek, y'all like that? Mm -hmm. That's good. I feel very, I feel, feel very secure in that. And Yabak and Jacob, which is, I don't know what that is. Okay, there you go. The eyes of Jacob could not discern who was coming out of the shadows in the same as Jacob's father, Isaac, could not discern who it was that received his blessing. It was not Jacob wrestling a man, but a man wrestling with Jacob. The one whom Jacob saw at the top of the stairway at Bethel had come down to wrestle with him and roll in the mud of Jacob's mistakes. When the man saw that he was not winning the match, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of joint, leaving it wrenched as he continued to wrestle with him. Eventually the man said to him, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob refused, no, not until you bless me. What is your name? Asked the man. This is really, really cool. It says, this was a strange question because God knew his name. God touched not only his thigh, but also his slumbering conscience. In asking this question, Jacob's imagination took him back over 20 years to the dark tent where his blind aged father had faced him with the same question. I am Esau. And he got away with it. Now the Lord had to come to Jacob insisting he acknowledged that he was the one who took advantage of his father and his brother. Jacob means heel grabber, supplanter. The Lord was insisting that his blessing would only begin when Jacob realized the true need of his heart. By speaking out his name, Jacob confessed his true nature. I am a deceiver, a cheat. My name is Hillgrabber. This confession liberated Jacob. 
and open the way for inner transformation. And then it says, um, whenever he said, he asked um, me and my name is Jacob, he said, not anymore. The man said to him, your new name is Israel, for you have struggled both with God and with people, and you have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. Why ask my name? The man replied. Then he spoke a blessing over Jacob. I love the audacity of Jacob that, man, what's the deal with him wanting a blessing? I mean, he's just like, I'm going to get it. I really just appreciate his audacity to believe that God wanted to give him abundance and greatness. And, you know, I feel like God is, is asking us, um, who wants to walk with a limp? Who wants to really, you know, it says that the only way that Jacob could relent and the man could win the match was if he basically weakened Jacob. At the end of the day, he had to become weakened. And, you know, a lot of us, I think, don't want to be weak. A lot of us can really stray far away from being weak. We don't want to admit our weaknesses. We don't want to admit when we're wrong. We don't want to admit certain things. And God is saying, will you just come and really, and, and tell me your weaknesses. Tell me who you really think you are and let me tell you who, I, who you really are. I, I feel this great hunger from the Father that he, that he really wants us to be so yielded that we don't need to find our strength in our own abilities. And so if you have anything that you know personally that um, you wrestle around with, that you, um, you, know, you have a hard time really submitting to him, I just want to encourage you to really begin to work it with him because this is a season where you'll find great grace. And if you'll just trust him, you'll find that he's fully trustworthy. He's really trustworthy. You know, what's beautiful about Jacob is that, of course, all of the many horrible decisions he made and, you know, just, I mean, can you imagine if, if that was you, all the dysfunction that what's so beautiful is that Jesus, whenever Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, guess what well they're at? Jacob's well. Jacob's well. Jesus Jesus came and was talking to a woman that everybody else had judged and just like they did Jacob. You know, he, he came and he sat at the well, Jacob's well. And Jacob's well wouldn't be known as all the mistakes that Jacob made, but the way that he truly wrestled and he found he got a new name and he was never the same again. If, if we are not, if we are okay with admitting our weaknesses, admitting our faults, admitting where we are, we will find great strength and we will be known as those that overcame. And we don't want to be, we don't want to be known as those that still struggled and never would believe. You know, I think it's really, it's really beautiful that, um, you know, that God can take a life, a life that has been so completely wrecked with just everything horrible and 
would actually make a great nation out of them. And that's, that's you, that God wants to make you a pillar, but we have to be willing to allow him to come into the inner chambers of our hearts and be the strength, be the one that everything, everything rises and falls on him. So I just want to encourage you during this fast, if, um, if you haven't been fasting, it's not too late to start. We're going to be going until the 22nd. Um, you know, you could fast your own, your own abilities, you know, fast that you want to practice not being so in control of your own life. You could fast, you know, not my will, but your will. That's another great one that you could fast. It doesn't have to just be food, you know. It's, it, it's the thing, you're putting pressure on the things that you find security and comfort in to find him as your security and comfort. We've been talking a lot about being a drink for the Savior. And I think it's so beautiful. I see so many parallels with just where we are that, um, you know, as we really begin to just allow the Holy Spirit into every facet of our heart and be willing to confront ourselves, be willing to keep surrendering to him daily, that this life of just openness, it actually creates a spring from us that Jesus gets to drink from. We get to offer Jesus a drink from the very inner parts of us that is so beautiful to him and it was so worthy of his great sacrifice. And so you get to be a drink for our Savior. You get to. So that makes me not be afraid of anything that I might need to confront in myself because I want to be a pure, a pure outlet for Jesus to drink from. So let me, I want to pray for us. And <clears throat> The Holy Spirit is really, really pulling on us. Do you feel the pull? I feel the pull. We want to be we want to be responsive to His pull. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray over us today. Holy Spirit, I just pray that any places in us that we find comfort in our own strengths that we find peace in our own abilities that we have leaned on other things other than you come and search our heart Holy Spirit come and show us any places that you long to be our strength you long to be the thing that everything rests on Everything rises and falls on you. If you don't show up, it fails. If you don't come, it doesn't work. Teach us to truly be surrendered to your ways. Teach us, Holy Spirit, to be poured out in in even new ways. Daddy, I just pray that um, that there will just be a response 
to the hunger in your heart. We just respond with the heart saying, your will, not our will. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and shifting our attention. Thank you for coming and shifting the things in us that need to be shifted. And we just respond to you with just yes. We just give you our yes today. We give you our yes today. And Holy Spirit, I just pray over places that fear has taken up residency in hearts. I just speak right now that um, that their spirit man would become brave and that it would cause them to rise up and meet fear at a new level that fear has no hold anymore. And so I just pray right now that I just break fierce tactics over us that keep us small, that keep us hiding, places where we hide because we're afraid of people new, places where we hide if, um, God, that you wouldn't accept us if, if we brought that out in the open. I just break that right now in Jesus' name, and I just ask, Daddy, that you would just come bring freedom, great freedom where places where fear has put a cap. I break that off right now in Jesus' name, and I just release us to step into new places of just vulnerability, new places of openness, new places of just joy and freedom. And so I thank you, Jesus, that it truly is for freedom, that you set us free, that you just love to see your kids free and full of joy and happy and whole. And so, Jesus, we don't want to keep anything off limits to you. We welcome, we welcome you, Jesus, to come into every part of us. Oh, Jesus, come and show us if there's anything that keep that keeps your life from being fully lived through this, through these one lives. So we thank you. We're so grateful. I'm so grateful, Jesus. I'm so grateful for this time. I'm so grateful for this pulling and wooing. It's such an honor that we get to be yours. So I just bless each heart. And I thank you, Daddy. Thank you for those that are not ashamed to walk with a limp. Those that aren't afraid to um, uh, to boast in their weakness. That we are gladly weak. We're gladly weak. I'm gladly weak, Daddy. I'm gladly weak. I need you. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for teaching us. We love you so much, and we just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.